Welcome to Line B, used tools and equipment by Camosun College, used under CC BY. The Trades Access Common Core resources are licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0. The materials in these learning guides are for use by students and instructional staff and have been compiled from sources believed to be reliable and to represent best current knowledge on these subjects. These audio resources are intended to serve as a starting point for good practices and may not specify all minimum legal standards. No warranty, guarantee, or representation is made by the BC Piping Trades Articulation Committee, the British Columbia Industry Training Authority, BC Campus, or the Queen's Printer of British Columbia as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information contained in these publications. These audio resources are intended to provide basic guidelines for piping trades practices. Do not assume, therefore, that all necessary warnings and safety precautionary measures are contained in this publication and that other or additional measures may not be required. To learn more about BC Campus Open Education, visit www.open.bccampus.ca. Use Hand Tools and Measuring Tools, Section 3, Use Leveling Equipment. Describe levels used in the piping trades to establish elevations. Levels are instruments used to project a level line 360 degrees around their axis in order to transfer, measure, or set elevations. There are two broad categories of levels, optical and electronic. Optical levels, also known as builder's levels, generally need two people to operate them. One person looks through a telescope and interprets the reading of a sighting from a leveling rod, which is held by the other person. Electronic levels rotate a light beam and only require one operator, who uses the rod along with the sensor that picks up the light beam. Types of builders or optical levels. Optical levels are high power telescopes equipped with crosshairs and centrally mounted on a bearing so that they can rotate only horizontally. They are different from transits or theodolite levels. Transits and theodolites, figure two, can measure horizontal and vertical angles and are used as surveying tools. Builders levels are designed for horizontal rotation only and therefore are only used for horizontal leveling. For that reason, this learning guide will not cover transits or theodolites. These are the kinds of tasks you can do with an optical level. Find the elevation of selected locations, given a benchmark location and elevation, you can find the elevations of a series of other given locations. Establish the elevation of an object. Blueprints provide the information needed to do the following. Set the elevation of a slab. Set the height of a wall. Set the invert elevation and slope of a pipe. Optical levels can be categorized as manual or automatic according to the way they are set up. There are two types of manual levels. Dumpy and tilting. Dumpy levels, also known as four pin levels. Although no one seems to know for certain where the term dumpy came from, it's widely accepted as the most rudimentary of all builders' levels. It consists of a short telescope mounted to a table that is adjustable using thumb screws or pins. A spirit valve mounted below the telescope contains an air bubble and a small amount of alcohol which is used instead of water so that freezing isn't a problem. The vial is similar to those found in carpenters or torpedo levels. Dumpy levels are the least expensive and least sensitive of all the builder levels and are generally known as being the hardest to correctly set up. They traditionally have four pins, while the others typically have only three. Tilting levels. A tilting level, also known as a split bubble or engineer's level, so named because the horizontal plane of the telescope can be raised or lowered very slightly through a limited arc without impairing the accuracy of the reading. This is done to ensure that the reading taken is precisely level. A fish-eyed bubble provides for general leveling and a bubble tube is usually mounted alongside the telescope and is viewed through a separate eyepiece for fine-tuning. An optical sighting arrangement brings opposite halves of a bubble image into coincidence or the end of the bubble to a reference line. 
Tilting levels are generally more compact, more sensitive, and more expensive than dumpy levels. They usually have only three pins for leveling the table, which makes them easier to set up than the dumpy, although some are made in a four-pin configuration. Automatic levels. Automatic levels, also known as self-leveling levels, have only a fisheye bubble that needs manual centering. Inside the instrument is a prism, also known as a compensator, suspended by very fine wires. An automatic level, if shaken lightly, will make a slight jangling sound from within, evidence of the prism and wires. The prism fine-tunes the leveling, which makes setting up the automatic level very quick and easy. Once the fisheye bubble is centered, the telescope can be rotated through 360 degrees without the need for any further adjustment. Optical instruments share a number of features. Crosshairs and stadia lines inside the viewfinder. An eyepiece focus for the crosshairs. Field of view focus for the leveling rod. A 5 8 inch female thread connection on the footplate for attachment of the tripod. An azimuth adjustment for precise sideways movement. Some varieties may or may not have an azimuth clamp and screw for moving the telescope sideways. Types of electronic laser levels. The use of laser and electronic levels has now become very commonplace on the job site. They are easy to use and have a distinct advantage over optical levels in that they require only one operator. One worker using a laser or electronic level can perform the same job as two using an optical level. Electronic levels also allow many workers on large jobs to use the same instrument set up at one time with different receivers. They are ideal for setting suspended ceilings, leveling concrete floors, setting drain pipes, creating roads, and building lots, and for other jobs that are usually done with a standard optical level. It is important to read the manufacturer's instructions before using these levels. Do not exceed the maximum range for the instrument and complete an accuracy check on a regular basis. Laser levels. The word laser is an acronym of light amplification by simulated emission of radiation. A mixture of helium and neon gases is used to emit a very narrow beam of light that does not grow larger as it moves away from the source, which in this case is the laser level. In low light conditions, the laser beam can be seen as bright red. Some manufacturers use a green laser beam, which is easier to see in daylight conditions. In bright sunlight, a sensor or detector is required in order to read the beam. Electronic laser levels. Electronic levels, a beam can be directed to any point or it can be rotated continuously at various speeds and controlled remotely. A beam detector or sensor must be used to locate this infrared laser beam. Using electronic laser levels. Electronic laser levels depend on an electrical power source such as batteries, a 12 volt source from a truck or car, or 110 volts AC adapter. Setup is very easy. A bubble level or fish eye is used to rough level the instrument. When the bubble is in the ring, the instrument levels itself with its motor-driven leveling system. If, during operation, the instrument is knocked and moved beyond the limits of self-leveling, the beam shuts off. The instruments can be supported in several ways. The most usual supports are tripods of various heights can also be clamped to columns or have small feet attached so they can be set into or on drainage pipes. Suspension frames are available to hold the instruments and aim them into pipes. Sensors or detectors. Electronic laser leveling instruments can be operated by a single person. When the instrument is set up and running, a level reference plane is created that can be seen by eye or detected with a sensor or detector. The sensors or detectors operate on batteries and have a narrow window through which the beam can be detected. When the beam is sensed, the detector shows a small colored light or emits a sound. Sensors or detectors can be attached to the leveling rod or can be used by themselves to locate instrument height on walls or forms. Targets. Targets are made of clear plastic with a cross marked on them. They are used to set levels with a laser level for items such as ceiling T-bars, concrete screeds, or drainage pipes using a direct or rotating beam. The object 
is lowered, raised, or moved sideways until the beam is located at the target cross. Checking laser level accuracy. Many laser levels are designed to allow the operator to calibrate the unit. The manufacturer's instructions will include the method. Often it is as simple as setting up 50 meters from a wall, marking the location, and then rotating the instrument 360 degrees and marking again. The two marks are not within tolerance of each other and turn the instrument on by pushing two buttons at once and adjust the beam up or down by pushing buttons. Then rotate the instrument 90 degrees and make a third mark. Rotate the instrument another 180 degrees and make a fourth mark. The instrument is turned on by pushing another combination of buttons and then the beam is adjusted. In this way, both the X and Y axes are recalibrated. Pipe laser levels. Pipe laser levels are specially designed for installing pipes requiring a constant grade and for setting grades for areas requiring drainage. When laying pipe, the laser is set up at the end of the pipe, either inside or on top, and set to the desired slope of the pipe. The target is located at the end of the pipe, and the pipe is moved until the target is centered to the beam. Pipe laying can continue until a change of direction is required or the maximum range of the beam has been reached. Five-way laser levels. A five-way laser level is used mainly for laying out 90-degree corners, for leveling and for plumbing up or down. It can also be used as an electronic chalk line. There are five laser beams. One shoots down, one shoots up, one shoots straight forward. The last two are at 90 degrees on both sides to the forward beam. The unit self-levels and the beams are bright enough that a sensor is not required. Most five-way levels are accurate only up to between 10 and 30 meters as a laser beam becomes too wide past that point. Five-way laser levels can be set on the floor, mounted on a tripod, or clamped to an object. Follow the manufacturer's instructions. Be careful not to exceed the rate of distance. As the laser beams are quite bright, extra care should be taken not to look into the beams. Parts of a level. Figures 12 to 15 identify the major working parts of a tilting level. Note that a tilting level has some parts that are not found on either a dumpy or an automatic level. The functions of these parts and some others are described on the following pages. Telescope eyepiece. The eye is positioned at the telescopic eyepiece when a reading is being taken. The eyepiece has a neural adjustment ring for focusing the crosshairs. Crosshairs and stadia hairs. The crosshairs are lines that are etched on a piece of glass, sometimes called the fixed rectangle. Crosshairs are a pair of vertical and horizontal lines. Readings are taken at the horizontal crosshair. The rod can be lined up plumb in one direction using the vertical hair. The vertical hair is further divided by lines above and below the horizontal crosshair called stadia lines, which are used to measure distance. Telescopic barrel. Telescopic barrel contains the lenses and focusing ratchet mechanism. The lens at the front or the end opposite the eyepiece is called the objective lens. Focusing screw. The focusing screw brings the object seen through the eyepiece into sharp focus by moving the lenses inside the barrel. Leveling split bubble. The leveling split bubble can be located above or below the barrel as on a dumpy level or alongside it as on a tilting level. The length of the bubble expands and contracts with changes in temperature. Fisheye bubble. The fisheye bubble is used to roughly set to level the line of sight of a tilting level or to accurately set up an automatic level, it is attached to the leveling head. Horizontal tangent screw. This screw is also referred to as the slow motion or azimuth screw. It is used to slowly rotate and accurately aim the telescope horizontally. Usually it is located just below the objective lens. It will only operate if the horizontal clamp is tightened. Horizontal tangent screw clamp or azimuth lock. This clamp can be loosened to allow the barrel of the instrument to be freely swung horizontally and to roughly aim the instrument. Once the instrument is roughly aimed, 
the clamp is then tightened and the fine horizontal sighting is done with the slow motion screw. Leveling screw or tilting screw. The leveling screw is used to bring the instrument perfectly horizontal, parallel to the line of sight. It is usually located just below the eyepiece and is activated by turning in either direction to center the bubble in the level vial. Sometimes it is aided by a coincidence optical mechanism, known as a split bubble. You must line up both halves of the bubble in the mirror to level the instrument. Sunshade. The sunshade is a short tube attached to the objective lens of the barrel to eliminate sun glare. Tripod. The foot plate of a builder's level is fastened to the head plate of a three-legged stand known as a tripod by a five-eighths national course bolt fixed to the underside of the tripod's head plate. The tripod has three extendable legs with feet that are pointed and have a horizontal peg that allows them to be firmly pressed by foot into soft ground. There are also rubber tips and suction cups available for use on smooth floors. The top pivot pin of each leg can be tightened or loosened to create more or less resistance to opening or closing the legs. When used on fairly rough terrain, a light closing force would be adequate, whereas smooth slippery surfaces, a more positive force would be advantageous in order to keep the tripod legs from splaying outward. If the tripod does not have rubber feet or suction cups, a triangle of 1x4 wood can be used, with the tripod feet pushed into the corners. It is of utmost importance to not move the tripod at all once it is in position. To do so would necessitate a resetting of the level. Describe leveling rods. Leveling or target rods, also known as Philadelphia rods, are used to take readings on sites. They, are, they can be either hinged or telescopic and can be made of wood, fiberglass, or aluminum alloy. The units of measure or scales can be metric or imperial. There are several methods of displaying the scales. The type most suited to construction seems to be the segmented type with a scotch light face. They are easily collapsed for use in confined spaces and a light source can be shone on the scales for easy reading in poor light conditions. Metric rod. Scales in the metric system are generally shown in 10 millimeter or one centimeter divisions. It has been the practice when using metric rods to visually break down the 10 millimeter divisions with a bit of practice, one should have no difficulty in making rough estimates to the closest millimeter, which is considered an acceptable tolerance. For more accurate readings, a target that has had the one centimeter scale divided up into millimeters can be fitted on the rod or a portion of a metric tape measure can be held with the rod. Imperial rods. The imperial system of measurement, which uses inches and feet, is used on both the architect's rod and the engineer's rod. The architect's rod is broken into feet, inches, and fractions of an inch, whereas the engineer's rod is divided into feet and hundreds of a foot. You can quickly tell if it's an architect's or engineer's rod by looking for the 11-inch marking. The engineer's rod does not show the 11-inch mark, while the architectural rod does. When geodetic elevations are needed, Either the metric or engineer scales are used. An example elevations for each would be 99.378 meters and 35.27 feet. Architects' rod readings are divided into 1/8 inch increments, which are generally considered to be the accepted tolerance for field readings. The marks with the point at the end are the zero mark and the half mark. Engineers' rod readings are divided into 0.01 of a foot or one one hundredth of a foot increments. The marks with the point at the end are at the point one foot or one tenth of a foot or ten one hundredths of a foot mark and the point zero five or five one hundredths foot mark. Care should be taken when reading the engineer's rod. A reading of point six would be seven and a quarter inches, not six. Stadia lines. Stadia lines or hairs are used to find the distance from the instrument to the rod. For accuracy of the stadia line distance is totally dependent on how accurate the rod readings are. For example, if the stadia line reading was accurate to one millimeter, then the resulting distance would be accurate to plus or minus 100 millimeters. The stadia line ratio is one to 100, no matter what the rod units are. 
to find the distance, take the readings of the top stadia line and the bottom stadia line. Subtract the smaller from the larger. Multiply the answer by 100. The result is the distance from the instrument to the rod. See examples 1 and 2 below. This, the concept will work with an architect's, engineer's, or metric rod. Using the level rod. To ensure that accurate information is obtained, the level rod must be held plumb whenever a reading is taken. The instrument operator can see through the telescope whether the rod is being held plumb in one direction only. To obtain plumb in the other direction, the instrument operator must give a signal to the rod person to slowly move the rod through a small arc forward and backwards so that the lowest reading can be taken if the rod is being held erect, or the lowest reading if the rod is inverted. Illustration in Figure 7 should help in understanding this. The device shown in Figure 8 contains a fisheye bubble and can be used by the rod person to plumb the rod. A pointed target, like a sharp pencil, is moved up and down on the rod by the rod person as directed by the instrument person. The rod reading is taken by the rod person and relayed to the instrument person. Hand signals. Hand signals should be used for communication between the instrument person and the rod person. These are necessary so that the work can be done efficiently, without yelling or shouting to each other. Sometimes the distance between the instrument person and the rod person is too great or is too noisy for verbal communication. Setup and care of optical levels. Tripod setup. If possible, set up midway between the backsight and foresight locations. Using the leg thumb screws or cam locks, extend the legs enough so that when set up, the instrument will be at a comfortable height for readings. A good suggestion is to have all three legs closed and in contact with the ground and the tripod top plate at chin level. This will put the mounted instrument at a comfortable height. Snug the locking screws up, but do not over tighten the screws. Grasp two of the legs and plant the third out in front of you into the ground. Spread the tripod legs about 900 millimeters or three feet apart. Draw the two legs back and set the feet firmly into the ground, farther apart if windy. If the ground is sloping, put two legs on the downhill side and the other one uphill. Use a triangular wooden frame if setting up on a floor with a smooth surface such as concrete where the feet of the tripod cannot dig in. Once the feet are set, adjust the leg lengths so the top plate of the tripod is level by eye. Make sure the tripod is secure against any movement by grasping the head and gently trying to move it in a horizontal circle. If there is any movement, then something is loose and all connections should be tightened up before proceeding to mount the instrument. If possible, try to stand between two of the legs when sighting, rather than straddling one of the legs and bumping the instrument. Attach the instrument to the tripod, tighten the locking screw firmly, but do not over-tighten. Leveling the instrument. Leveling instruments are used to set, transfer, and measure elevations. Leveling the instrument so that the line of sight is in a level position is the most important procedure to obtain accurate leveling work. There are different methods for instruments with four or three leveling screws and for the quick set type of instrument. Each will be described separately. If the instrument goes out of level for any reason, it must be readjusted to a level position before continuing to take readings. Leveling instruments with four leveling screws or pins. Most instruments with four leveling pins use a tubular level vial. A tubular level vial is a curved glass tube filled with alcohol that has a bubble of air trapped inside. The amount of curve in the vial is very slight, sometimes not even able to be seen by the eye. The air bubble will move to the highest point of the curve. The vial is tipped either left or right. The air bubble will move toward the higher end. To level the instrument, follow these steps. Number one, make sure all the leveling screws are loose and equally set for height. Number two, position the telescope barrel over a diagonal pair of leveling screws and take up any slack on these screws so the instrument will not wobble horizontally. Number three, Turn the leveling screws in opposite directions using the direction of the left thumb to guide the level bubble roughly to center. This is referred to as the rule of the left thumb. 
which states that the level bubble will always travel in the same direction as that of the left thumb, as in figure one. Number four, rotate the telescope 90 degrees so it is directly over the other two pins and repeat the process in step three. Continue to repeat steps three and four until the bubble does not move when the telescope is slowly rotated 360 degrees. Leveling instruments with three leveling screws or pins. Instruments with three pins are quite different from those with four pins. The pins on a three-pin instrument always hold the instrument from rocking, so they do not need to be tightened up to take out any slack. Instruments with three pins usually have two leveling devices, a rough leveling device, which is usually a fisheye bubble, and a fine leveling device, which could be either a split bubble or an automatically adjusting hanging prism. The foot screws on three pin levels do not snug up, but it is possible to turn them all the way to the end of their travel, and this will give you a feeling that they are not able to turn anymore. To allow full movement of the foot screws, position each of the foot screws halfway in its travel prior to attempting to level the instrument. There's often a mark used to indicate halfway. Adjusting a fish eye bubble. Fish eye bubbles are always used for getting the instrument roughly level. Adjusting a fish eye bubble can be frustrating because it is possible to chase the bubble around and around the vial until the travel of the foot screws is exhausted. To prevent frustration, choose one foot screw and do not adjust it at all during the leveling process. Refer to figure two. First, look at the position of the bubble and adjust the foot screw to raise the corner of the instrument that seems to be opposite the bubble's position. Then, when the bubble is halfway across the circle, adjust the foot screw to raise the corner of the instrument that is now opposite the bubble's position. Lastly, adjust the two foot screws to position the bubble. Remember to only adjust two of the three foot screws. Adjusting a tilting level. Tilting levels use a fisheye bubble with three pin leveling to get the instrument head level. They also have a secondary eyepiece that, when viewed through, shows the end of a bubble that is split down the middle. When the instrument is sighted on the leveling rod, the operator looks into the split bubble viewfinder and fine adjusts bubbles using the split bubble adjustment screw or knob so that the two ends line up as in figure three. The telescope is now exactly level in that position and this process must be repeated every time the telescope is moved to a new site. Adjusting an automatic level. Once the fisheye bubble in an automatic level is centered, it is rough leveled and there are no other adjustments to make. When you look through an automatic level, the light you see passes through a compensator, a prism that is suspended by a number of wires or nylon strands inside a cage. The suspended prism can compensate for the instrument being up to 12 degrees out of level. The prism completes the fine tuning for level and the instrument can be used immediately. If the instrument is slightly shaken before attaching it to the tripod, the prisms and wires will make a faint jangling sound. It is a good idea to check the fisheye from time to time to ensure that the level has not been knocked or bumped out of position, in which case it must be reset. If the automatic level sustains a sharp impact, it may cause the wires or strands to break and the instrument must then be repaired. Setup and operation of electronic laser levels. Select the location for the instrument so that the largest possible area can be covered. The location should be on solid ground or floor and out of the way of traffic. Then follow these steps. Number one, set up the tripod and attach the instrument. Level the instrument with the leveling screws until the bubble is in the center circle. Number two, connect the power supply to the instrument and turn the power switch on. Number three, using a level rod, establish the height of the instrument from the benchmark. Number four, calculate the vertical distance between the instrument and the elevation point you wish to find. Number five, attach the sensor or detector to the level rod at this mark. Number six, if the elevation to be measured is higher than the instrument, hold the rod upside down. If it is lower than the instrument, hold the rod upright. Number seven, raise or lower the level rod until the sensor indicates the correct level. Mark the end of the level rod at each location where elevations are required. Number eight, 
An alternative method is to mark the location of the beam directly on the wall, concrete form, or column. Then measure up or down the required amount to establish the correct elevations. Typical leveling errors. There are many errors that can be made while using an optical level. The following is a list of things that can go wrong, resulting in incorrect measurements. Number one, instrument is out of level. The instrument must be level each time a sighting is taken to avoid incorrect rod readings. There are three reasons the instrument could be out of level. A. The instrument was not level to begin with. B. The instrument was accidentally moved between sightings. C. The instrument was set up on an unstable surface, such as soft ground, frozen ground, or a wooden floor, and some settlement or movement occurred. 2. The rod is incorrectly read. Whenever you take a sighting, say the reading aloud and then repeat the reading. There is no special way to avoid this sort of error, but taking the reading twice will help. 3. The figures on the rod cannot be seen clearly. This can occur if the instrument is set up too far away from the rod. The instrument should be set up about halfway between a benchmark and the location where the reading is to be taken. Equal length backsights and foresights will cancel errors caused by the crosshairs not being in perfect adjustment. 4. The instrument is improperly focused. Make sure the crosshairs are in sharp focus and the telescope is properly focused on the rod. Each person's eyes focus slightly differently and these adjustments should be made each time you take an instrument out to use it. 5. The instrument was leveled using the stadia lines. There are also two other marks on the vertical crosshair called stadia lines. These are used for distance measurement and are not used in leveling. Be careful not to line your eye up with either of these when taking a reading. 6. The rod is not held plumb. If the rod is not plumb, the result will be a reading that is higher number on the rod than the correct reading. The way to avoid this is to give the rod person a signal to slowly pivot the rod forward and backward over the center point while holding it plumb to the vertical crosshair, and then record the lowest reading. 7. The rod person holds the rod at the wrong location or chooses a spot that is not stable. Good communication with the rod person is the best way to avoid this type of error. Testing the accuracy of an optical level. You should always test optical leveling equipment for accuracy before measuring or setting elevations. Even with all of the leveling devices adjusted correctly, the instrument may still not be able to accurately transfer elevations. The cause of error at this point is the accuracy of the crosshair position, or the reticle. This holds the crosshairs that can be adjusted up or down and left or right to correctly position the crosshairs in the image. When you are using the instrument for the first time, its accuracy is not known to you. If the instrument has been bumped or jarred, its accuracy is in question. Figure 4 below shows two telescopes set exactly level. The upper telescope has the crosshairs set correctly. The lower telescope has the crosshairs set too high. The only way to check the position of the crosshairs at the job site is to do a peg test on the instrument. Select a location that is reasonably flat alongside a building or between two buildings, two columns, or even two telephone poles. The required distance between locations to use in the test is about 30 meters. Figure 5 shows the instrument setup for checking the level accuracy. Set up at location A and level the instrument. Have the rod person precisely mark a piece of masking tape stuck to object B, the side of the building or column, etc., exactly at the line of sight. You will guide this by sighting through the telescope and indicating that the rod person raise or lower the pencil, held horizontally until it is accurately aligned. Have the rod person now move to object D and mark the masking tape located at this point in the same manner as B. Move the instrument to location C and set up as you did before. Have the rod person accurately mark the new lines of sight on the masking tape at objects B and D. Measure the distance between the marks made on B and D. If they are the same, the instrument is working accurately. If they are not the same, the operation should be repeated. Human nature dictates that errors or inaccuracies are firstly blamed on tools or instruments, so a second check on the readings will eliminate or confirm that as a possibility. If on the second attempt the two differences are not the same, 
Subtract one from the other and divide by two to find the error over 30 meters, as a second reading was taken over 60 meters. Obtaining perfect results is not always practical. A maximum error of six millimeters or quarter inch over 30 meters is usually considered to be acceptable on the PEG test. If the inaccuracy is consistent, the instrument can be checked and sent for repair or to be recalibrated. Adjustment of the crosshairs is done by turning the crosshair adjustment screws. These screws are normally located under a cover just behind the eyepiece. Consult the owner's manual before trying to adjust the crosshairs or send the instrument to a survey equipment repair shop for adjustment. Care and handling of leveling equipment. Survey instruments are constructed to give many years of service in adverse weather conditions, but they can be damaged if they are not handled with proper care. Following these rules will ensure that no damage will occur to your instruments. During transportation, always store the instrument properly in its case. There is any chance that it will be subject to jarring, give it further protection by enclosing it in a styrofoam container. When first selecting an instrument, open the lid and carefully look to see how it is secured in its container. You must return it to its container in the same way each time you use it. When it is not in use, you must always return the instrument to its container for storage. When protective lens caps are not in use, leave them in the instrument container. Do the same with the thread protector ring and the cap for the tripod if the tripod has these. Before the instrument is mounted on the tripod, make sure that the tripod is firmly set up and all leg adjusting screws and tripod head screws are properly snugged up. The mounting head or top plate should be as level to the horizontal as you can get it by adjusting the legs. The legs must be positioned on smooth concrete or on any other surface where the points of the tripod legs are not able to dig in. Use rubber tips or suction cups or place the tripod in a triangular frame to prevent slipping. While transporting the instrument from the case to the tripod, always grasp the instrument by its base, where it should be held to avoid any damage to any of its parts. Thread the instrument onto the tripod securely, but do not over-tighten. This avoids stripping the threads or putting undue stress on any part of the instrument. This is no time to become distracted. If the instrument is not properly fastened to the tripod and, as a result, falls to the ground and is damaged, time is lost until it is repaired. A loss in both time and money can be avoided if care is taken each time the instrument is set up. Never force the instrument while turning it horizontally or while making any adjustments. Forcing it could result in damage. All adjustable features of any level are designed to be just snugged up, but never over-tightened or forced. When the lenses become dusty or dirty, try to wash with water. When doing this, never rub the lens with anything, as this will probably scratch the lens. The best way to clean lenses is to let them dry completely, then use a camel's hair brush in a circular motion starting at the center of the lens and working outward. Remember to use the brush lightly and blow out any particles of dirt as you proceed. Levels are built to be used in rain and snow, but should not be left out needlessly. When you are finished, bring them inside and lightly dry them off. Damp, dry, them. Except for the lenses, which should always be left to dry on their own. Secure them in their container, but leave it open so that the machine will completely dry. If you close the container, the moisture will remain inside to corrode both the instrument and the case, if it is made of metal. Adding a package of desiccant such as silicon will help control any small bits of moisture within the case. Avoid sudden extreme changes in temperature if the instrument is kept in storage at room temperature, then taken directly outside into cold or damp conditions. There is a good chance the inner lenses will become fogged. Nothing can be done with it until the temperatures inside and outside the instrument equalize and the moisture trap within naturally disperses. This can result in loss of time. To avoid this happening, many contractors keep their instruments in locked storage in the same conditions as those in which they will be used or, if properly protected, in their locked vehicle. Extreme heat can expand the air bubble in the level vials, making them very difficult to level. To avoid this, put up an umbrella or some sort of sunshade over the instrument. Avoid using the instrument where there is a lot of vibration from soil compactors, pile drivers, etc. This could put the level out of alignment, thus requiring repairs. 
The way in which an instrument is carried when mounted on its tripod is important. Leave the horizontal clamp loose so that the instrument can swing if it should accidentally hit anything. In wide open spaces, always pack it with the tripod legs in front and over one shoulder. So help to avoid hitting the instrument. And if you should happen to trip, the tripod should contact the ground before the instrument does. If the route you must take is full of obstacles, especially doorways, either pack the tripod mounted instrument in front of you so you can see what it might come into contact with or dismantle it and put it in its container. Never jar the instrument by hanging it down when you are about to set it up or at any other time. At all times, handle the tool as if it were a crate of eggs. Never leave the instrument unattended. There are many ways an unattended instrument can be damaged on a busy construction site. Some contractors paint the legs of a tripod in bright colors and attach streamers of bright surveyor's tape as a precaution against accidents. Also, the instruments could be stolen if left unattended in an occupied area such as a busy downtown street. Check all connections for the various parts of the tripod. Looseness at any of the several connecting points could make it unstable and result in incorrect readings. The wood screw connections of wooden tripods that are subject to wetting and drying tend to loosen. Use leveling equipment to establish elevations. Reading the leveling rod. In the metric examples in figure 1, the triangular black comma denotes the meters and decimeters area of the rod seen through the telescope. Reading number 1 should be interpreted as 1.330 meters. Number 2's reading is 0 0.850 meters. Number 3 is 2.917 meters. Reading number 4 is 1.185 meters. Rod reading number 5 should be close to 2.147 meters. Number 6 is 1.625 meters. Number 7 is 1.540 meters. And number 8 is 1.695 meters. With a little practice, you should be able to read a metric rod to the nearest 0 0.001 meters. When reading a rod in imperial measure, first determine whether the rod is in feet and inches or feet and decimals of feet. As mentioned previously, look for the presence or absence of the 11-inch mark. Figure 2 shows examples of rod readings. The rod is calibrated in feet and hundreds of feet. The footage markings are usually visible in one or two locations between the large numbers, representing feet as shown by the 7 in the lower part of the image. The smaller numbers in black along the right side of the rod indicate decimals of feet and line up with the pointed end of the black graduations. Each point on this scale represents 0.05 feet, so there are five graduations between points. This is different from the scales that are in feet and inches. On those scales, the pointed graduations occur every half inch, so there are only four graduations between points. On the imperial rods, you should be able to read to the nearest 0.005 feet, or 1 16th of an inch. Recording the readings. The measuring and setting of elevations at a construction site must be done accurately and to the exact specifications shown on the construction drawings. Maintaining a record of how the elevations were set and who set them is also of prime importance. Using a surveyor's field book to record all instances where elevations were measured or set allows a permanent record of the results to be kept. The surveyor's field book is a small, hard-covered book measuring 4 inches by 7 inches. There are many types of field books. The standard field book used for leveling has six columns on each facing page. Some field books have level notes on the left and a grid or graph paper on the right. The grid paper is used to make plan views of horizontal layouts. Each page in the leveling field book is divided into six columns and 32 rows. The lines on the pages are printed with waterproof ink. When recording instrument readings into the field book, use a pencil, not a pen. The ink from a pen may not be waterproof. Readings should never be erased once they have been recorded. After a second look, if a reading needs to be changed, cross out the initial reading and put the new reading above it. Leaving the initial reading in the book shows that there was some concern with that reading. The headings across the top of the page should always be set up in the same way. Figure 3 shows the standard layout of headings. Glossary of Leveling Terms as with any aspect of construction, there are terms, definitions, and abbreviations that need to be understood. You should be familiar with the following terms. Benchmark, or BM. 
The benchmark is listed first in this glossary because it is the starting point for all leveling. Before any elevation can be measured or set, a benchmark must be found to revert the elevations too. It should be a relatively permanent point of known elevation. It can be any object not likely to move, such as a lamp standard, rim of a manhole, or catch basin or fire hydrant. It is usually noted on the site plan in a set of working drawings. Nothing that is easily moved or shifted should be considered for a benchmark, as it must be used for the duration of the leveling exercise. Residential benchmarks are assigned arbitrary values such as 100 meters. All parts of the structure are either above this mark and have a higher value or below this mark and have a lower value. If benchmarks are given a value relative to mean sea level on the Earth's surface, they're referred to as datum points. The reason this is the more common way of giving benchmark values is that most structures must tie into existing utilities, such as sewer and storm drains, the locations of which are always described with elevations relative to mean sea level. If you have this type of benchmark, it should be very apparent because the altitude of the locality where the structure is to be erected will be known. Great care must be taken to protect the benchmark from premature demolition or any damage that would spoil their accuracy. Fieldbook records should precisely identify benchmarks so that they can be found again if required and renovations or additions to the structure are made in future. Backsite, or BS. The first reading of any survey job will be a backsite onto a fixed point of reference, usually a benchmark. The backsite column is just to the right of the STA column in the fieldbook. Backsite readings are taken from a leveling rod held plumb on the benchmark or turning point. It is necessary to know the height of the instrument relative to known elevation so that work done can be related to that elevation. Therefore, it is the backsite reading that will establish the height of instrument, or HI. Datum. A datum is a clearly defined survey reference marker from which ground and building levels are measured. This level is referenced to the distance above zero datum being mean sea level, the average between high and low tide. Elevations, or ELEV. Elevations are the values assigned to points where elevations have been established relative to the benchmark. These readings are recorded in the ELEV column located at the extreme right of the fieldbook. Foresight, or FS. Foresight readings are taken on points of unknown elevation and are used to determine the elevation of a turning point or the elevation of the final point in a survey. They are essentially the same as intermediate foresights, but are listed under their own column so that the math can be more easily checked for errors. Foresight readings are recorded in the fifth column from the left in the field book. When determining the unknown elevation, the level rod would be held in a plumb position and the reading from it would be either added to or subtracted from the HI value to obtain the elevation of the turning point relative to the BM. Height of instrument, or HI. The height of instrument is the exact elevation of the line of sight of the instrument in relation to the benchmark, or turning point. It is not possible to find the elevation of any point until the height of the instrument is first established, so that the first step in any leveling exercise. The HI column in the field book is the third from the left. If the line of sight of the instrument is above the BM, then the level rod reading is added to the value assigned to the BM, thus establishing the HI. If the line of sight of the instrument is below the benchmark, then the level rod reading is subtracted from the BM value to get the HI elevation. Intermediate sight, IS, or intermediate foresight, IFS. Intermediate sights are readings taken on all other points of unknown elevation before the last location, which is the foresight or turning point. There is really no practical difference between the foresight and the intermediate site, except where it is recorded in the field book and how it is used. Station or STA. The station is a spot where the rod is being held while a reading is being taken. The station is not where the instrument is set up. In the field book, the station column is the first one on the left side, and it is where sightings or shots are identified and their locations recorded. When setting up an instrument, the name of the benchmark used is recorded in this column. 
as are the names given to points where elevations are established or where unknown elevations are to be calculated. Turning point, or TP. A turning point is set when moving the instrument to a new location. It can be either the last station elevation used or one that can be seen from the new instrument location. The point chosen for the TP must have a prominent point for the leveling rod to rest upon. Once the TP is established, the survey rod is held on it. A foresight reading is taken and the elevation of the TP is calculated. The instrument is then moved to the new location and leveled, and a backsight reading is taken on the TP. The leveling rod must be held in exactly the same point on a TP for both the foresight and backsight readings to ensure that the transfer of elevation is accurate. The backsight reading is added to the elevation of the TP to obtain the new elevation of the line of sight. Checking the math. Total the backsight readings and subtract them from the total of all the foresight readings, not any IS readings. The difference should be the same as the difference between the benchmark elevation and the elevation of the last site taken. If they differ, the mass is out and should be rechecked. If you close the circuit, finish back at the benchmark, the two totals should be the same. Using instrument readings. Grading drains. When grading sanitary and storm drains within a building, structure itself is normally used as the benchmark or reference for measurements. Using a tape measure, you can measure from the underside of the flooring or joist to the center line of the piping, regardless of whether it is being suspended or installed underground. Grade can be set accurately as long as the flooring or joists are themselves set level, which is usually taken for granted as the norm. However, when piping is to be installed underground outdoors, the only way to do this accurately is by using an optical or laser level and datums. In some cases, such as installing piping from the building to the connection at the property line, you must run your piping at a grade that you must establish in order to meet with the connection at the property line so there are no changes in elevation due to the use of fittings. In some cases, your piping must be covered and compacted as you install it, so your calculations must be very accurate. The following examples show the calculation that would need to be performed when grading pipe using elevations that are given in feet and decimals or in metric. Remember that the relationship between grade, length, and total fall, as learned in level one of pipe trades training, is constant and can be expressed three ways. Total fall divided by length equals grade. Total fall divided by grade equals length. Grade times length equals total fall. A tool for remember these relationships can be a learning triangle.